Hello and welcome to another episode of the Prop Swap Podcast. We are your hosts, Ian Epstein and Luke Pergandy. And we are also the founders of PropSwap, the first marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We've got another great episode for you. We'll do a quick NFL recap. We will go over uh, a crazy uh, Saturday in college football, get to our favorite stake or swap picks. Uh, but first, uh, Luke, how was your Thanksgiving? It's good to see you. Good to see you. Um, it was good. We spent the day in southern Wisconsin. My parents have a lake house on a lake called Lake Delavan. It is about 15 minutes west of Lake Geneva. Probably the more popular lake is Geneva. Delavan um, is increasingly becoming popular because everyone in Chicago is moving out of the city and into southern Wisconsin. But uh, they were fortunate to get in a little bit early before that uh, before that rush into southern Wisconsin. They bought that house in 2016 so um much more space up there than our house in displays uh suburb of chicago so good to see uh the grandparents good to see the family and uh eat some good food i love i love thanksgiving side dishes turkey can be hit or miss but big sides guy yeah uh i totally agree the the, the sides are are the main course um for the first for the first Thanksgiving ever, we had uh, the the mac and cheese uh, included with the the breadcrumbs breadcrumbs on top. Uh, so that was a great addition. Um, I was in Oakland, California, with my sister and her family uh, for Thanksgiving. Uh, got to watch the England USA uh, soccer match on uh, on Friday morning, uh, early start time for for, for the West Coast. But uh, when you've got a seven year old and a three year old niece, uh, there is no such thing as too early. Uh, also, trying to keep uh, two two uh, seven year old and three year old uh, sitting still for uh, an hour and a half plus soccer match not the easiest thing in the world, but uh, we made it happen. It was uh, even though it was zero zero, I thought it was still a great match. Um, it set a record for uh, viewership for uh, a U.S. men's national team uh, match with uh, a little over fifteen million viewers. Um, I know, even though it was zero zero, were you were you uh, watching it? Headed on um, Friday morning, Friday afternoon, I should say. Try to get a workout in Thursday. I think I ate uh, enough food for uh, the entire company at Prop Swap. So, uh, but headed on, I the zero zero endings. Now I'm playing Monday morning quarterback here by saying I don't like watching soccer because the game finished zero zero. Like I didn't, of course, know that when I was allocating my my Friday afternoon. So that's not completely fair, but. Um, yeah, they just I just wish they would figure out a way to increase scoring. Um and I know that's easier said than done. Obviously, you know, Rob Manfred of baseball, the commissioner of MLB, has made like a ton of steps to increase scoring going into next season. So um I realize that's much more difficult to do when you're on a world stage and it's happening every four years, but um, you know, I get it. I, I guess my my the coolest part of the World Cup to me is like I was fortunate to be in Mexico a week and a half ago for my birthday and another guy's wedding just had to be in the same weekend. But my takeaway was like, everyone is down to watch this and everyone is super excited that this tournament is happening, whether that's Mexico, Canada, USA, England, Wales, had a long discussion of what Wales is at at dinner last Wednesday night, kind of got a, a, a UK history slash geography lesson. But my point is like, this is a global event as opposed to like, 
you know, Phillies Astros. Like, I don't think anyone gives a crap about that game besides Americans. So it's, it's very cool to have the globe watching these sporting events and competing against all these other countries. That part's awesome. Yeah, despite the fact that it's called a World Series, uh, no one outside yeah. the U.S. Uh, actually ca- cares about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think uh, I, I've probably watched way more soccer in my life than you have. Uh, our, you know, my sister played soccer, so I watched a lot of her games. I played some soccer growing up uh, and just have watched it more. Uh, and so you, you learn to appreciate the, the things on the field that aren't the scoring, the passes, the, the cuts. Um, you know, I mean, th- these are some of the best athletes in the world, you know, still, still playing the game. Uh, and so, I mean, if you watch, you know, uh, France um, had, had a great match where they scored a bunch of goals, Spain, uh, the Brazil match, uh, there was a crazy bicycle kick. So, like, I get, yeah, in, in the vacuum, you know, the England-USA match was 0-0. I still think it was very exciting um, to watch. I love the fact that you know exactly how long these things are going to take. There's no ridiculous commercial breaks. Um, you know, I, nothing Nothing makes me more mad than in baseball, like the pickoff plays and the and the, the calls to the bullpen. So um, I, know, I I think it's, it's extremely exciting to watch. Um, and uh, I, I love to see that the game is growing. Um, and, you know, you can watch this, and then you, if you start watching some of the other, you know, the Premier League or the Champions League, uh, and you see that these guys who play with each other all the time, it's it's even better to watch that. But um, the whole representing your country part, I think that's super cool. And, uh, yeah, everyone gets to, like, be a, a huge homer for their country for uh, a couple of weeks. So um, hopefully uh, USA, as we record this, they need to win against Iran uh, on Tuesday, hopefully that the have done the have done that and will advance to uh, to the knockout round. But um, uh, speaking of other things that happened this weekend, uh, it was an extremely exciting uh, day in college football, um, highlighted by the Michigan Ohio State game. Uh, I will just go on the record right now and say that I'm a huge Michigan fan. Uh, grew up watching Michigan. My whole family, my whole family went to Michigan. Uh, I hate Ohio State, so watching uh, Michigan run it up in Columbus against Ohio State as a eight and a half point underdog was uh, extremely satisfying to watch. Um, and so, some props up customers uh, took advantage of this as well. Uh, but prior to the game, during the game, after the game, sold a bunch of Michigan tickets because that was again not an expected result. Uh, and so, for example, before the game, um, we had a Michigan championship ticket. Uh, with a collect amount of about $1,700, sold for $111. So that was odds of 14 to 1 for the buyer. Uh, we'll, we'll get to what Michigan currently is, and we'll talk more about that in Stake or Swap, um, but great odds uh, of 14 to 1. And that was the best in the country before the game. Uh, mm-hmm. And then obviously that's gone up tremendously uh, since the game. Uh, and then after the game, uh, a $5,000 collect two-leg parlay with the Cowboys to win the NFC and Michigan to win the championship. Uh, that sold for $300, odds of 16 to 1 for the buyer. Again, that was after the game, so uh, the result was known. But um, it's we, we've got a, a crazy situation here where uh, we've got about six teams uh, on the bubble, you know, six teams with a potential spot. Some may only say, seem five, say five, but. Um, you know, you would think that after losing, uh, like a, like Ohio State did, you would think that that team would be pretty much eliminated. However, according to Caesar Sports, after the Ohio State Michigan game, the team that has received the most amount of money to win the national title is Ohio State. Buckeyes had odds as high as fifty to one 
following the loss, and now they're down to 14 to one. Uh, and a Colorado better, uh, this was not me, um, put four thousand dollars <laughs> on Ohio State at 40 to one. Uh, so that's a potential win of 160 thousand dollars. So um, we'll we'll get more to these teams in, in stake or swap. But what were your thoughts uh, on the on the college football Saturday? Yeah, I mean, uh, it seems like Michigan did that without their star running back Blake Corum, right? That's correct. And yeah, he he Corum got hurt against Illinois. It was, he was questionable all week whether he was going to play. He suited up. He played about a series or two, and then definitely was still hurt, reaggravated his injury, and and then he was out the rest of the game. Yeah, and you know, I guarantee some wise guy. Or some like you know, I put professional sports better in quotes, or some let's say a tout to be specific was like, oh, Blake Corum. I have inside information on Blake Corum. He's not going to go fade Michigan, right? Like, how often do we hear these like calls just based on injury information? They're like, I'm I'm a sharp quote unquote. I have inside info. Like fade him. You know? Yeah, well, and and that's why day of the game the the spread ticked up from Ohio State minus eight to Ohio State minus nine because the news was coming out that Corum was not going to play or even if he did play he was still hurt. Um, college football does not share the same rules as NFL uh, in terms of having to report injuries. Although we'll, we'll get to uh, an NFL story where there was some incorrect information, but yeah, no, totally like the. The wise guys knew that Corum was not going to be 100% playing, and that's why the, the money was coming in on Ohio State day of the game. Yeah. So, you know, I'm just always like super leery of making picks just based on injury information. Like, I feel like so many times it doesn't happen that way. Like, oh, just because Michigan's rushing attack doesn't have their star running back, like, fade them. Like, that's not always the case. And it's, it's a lot more difficult to handicap a football game than just saying, oh, well, if your star player is hurt, you're automatically going to lose. Like, a lot of times it begins, it doesn't work out like that. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty well documented that quarterbacks uh, are far and away um, the biggest line movers. Um, but, you know, Corum was, was in the Heisman conversation. So, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, and, and you know, those that was a tale of two halves because Michigan kind of struggled uh, early on and, it kind of looked like they were going to be exchanging field goals for touchdowns. Uh, and then, I mean, just something clicked. And, and Michigan, even without Corm, uh, just started running all over uh, Ohio State. Yeah. I, for, uh, in terms of, like, running the game, I agree. But to me, like, the biggest difference was J.J. McCarthy just – he had wide open receivers. Like, Gus Johnson was – he made a quote after McCarthy hit this literally – no one within 12 yards of this receiver. And Gus Johnson goes, oh, McCarthy can't throw a deep ball. Watch this. Like, in in no universe was that a good throw. Like, the receiver was literally couldn't have been more open. So my, my takeaway was, like, good job to the uh, Michigan OC because you confused the hell out of the Ohio State defense. Like, they were... They were so confused, and now I, I imagine they were trying to stop the run, so they, they were they were at, they were daring McCarthy to throw a pass. But like twelve yards is twelve yards. Like you can't you're a you're a trying to get win the national championship. You can't have a guy twelve yards open and you know shrieking down the seam of the football field. So McCarthy played good, and he hit those guys. You better hit those guys. But um, yeah, I, I was most impressed by Michigan's OC by just getting these guys in space and confusing the Ohio State defense. Yeah. Um, no, they, they mentioned several times in the broadcast that it was against man-to-man coverage, uh, and Ohio State just did not 
uh, adjust. They came out, the they were running man-to-man, and Michigan picked them apart. Uh, and, yeah, Ohio State got, got completely outcoached by, by Michigan. Yeah. I thought there were some questionable uh, decisions by Ryan Day where he where he punted the ball uh, in situations where they were losing and, you know, it was fourth and three around midfield, and, you know, they run out the punt team. It's, you know, it's like, in, in today's in today's game, like you have a better yeah. ch- chance of 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 converting that or you know getting a penalty or something. So mm-hmm. yeah, uh, once again, uh, Harbaugh, I thought I coached uh, I coached day there. Yeah. So um, the way it currently sits, we we only have the uh, the AP poll uh, as we sit here today. We don't have the college football committee's rankings uh, just yet. Uh, it's Georgia number one, Michigan number two, TCU number three. All three of those teams are are undefeated. USC number four, uh, Ohio State five, and Alabama six. So uh, the question to you is: if T- if TCU or USC loses, uh, are they out of the playoff, or or does TCU can T- obviously? I think we all agree that if USC loses uh, against Utah in the Pac-12 championship, they are probably out of the playoff. But uh, if if TCU, which is currently undefeated, if they lose against Kansas State. Uh, do you think that they will get jumped by either Ohio State or Alabama? Um, if they get the doors blown off, if Kansas State rolls them, there might be a, like the committee is going to do everything they can to get Bama back in this thing. I fully believe that the the twelve people who make up the CFP committee want Bama in this thing. They have a ton of money, a ton of boosters. They'll travel to the game as opposed to like TCU, which is such a small school. Like that's a, a that, I. I have to imagine this will be one of the smallest schools in history. Not that the CFP has been around for that long, but to get to that playoff, it's like really small enrollment. So um, Bama represents more money and more TV ads that they'll be able to sell because if um, college sports is all about finance, it barely has to do with the kids. Um, so I, I, if it's close, TCU automatically gets in. If it's a blowout, if Kansas State blows them out, there's a chance that Bama gets put in there. So, um, but if it's within a 10 point game, I'll say, even if TCU loses, they still go. Um, I would, I would agree with that. Uh, but you know, cause if TCU loses, I could see the committees. I, and first of all, I think Ohio state is the next in line because they've got one loss versus mm-hmm. Alabama's got two losses. Now granted Alabama's two losses were both on the road and, and very close versus Ohio state getting blown out at home. Um, but I, I I just don't see how they could put a two loss Alabama over a one loss Ohio State. Um, but I could if, if comparing Ohio State and TCU and TCU loses, I could see the committee saying, um, you know, Ohio State lost to the number two team in the country, Michigan, and uh, TCU lost to you know I don't know if they're unranked or whatever, but lost to a much inferior Kansas State team. So yeah, they're ranked, uh, I, they're ranked fourteen. So. Um, I, I, I do think TCU really does need to win. Uh, and like I said, we'll, we'll get to more of that uh, coming up in, in stake or swap. Uh, and then just the last thing on college football, uh, the Heisman race seems pretty determined. Mm-hmm. Uh, Caleb Williams is minus 2,200. Uh, and yet again, we have another example where uh, the favorite with a couple weeks left to play um, does not, does not win it. Uh, and uh I, I, I think Caleb Williams Williams is deserving. I I like to see a West Coast player get it because I think too often there's a lot of East Coast bias and um you know the writers aren't up at ten eleven yeah. p.m. Eastern watching some of these uh, USC games. But um just to recap, uh, a couple weeks ago, 
CJ Stroud was about uh, a plus even in like an plus 120 even money favorite to win the Heisman. Meanwhile, uh uh Caleb Williams was 12 to 1. He was as high as 12 to 1 on November 14th. If you go back even further, he was 14 to 1 on November 2nd and now all of a sudden he's minus 2200. So, uh just another example of how uh if you stay focused on these Heisman races, um these things start with like three weeks left to go in the season. Like yeah. that's when I feel like you, that's when you would want to make a bet. Um, and you can find some great, I mean, cause Caleb Williams was like eight to one preseason mm-hmm. uh, and then 12 to one, like I said, on November 18th. So, you know, 10 days ago, um, you could find some great value uh, in the, in the Heisman race. Yeah. No, I mean, and you told everyone to sell their Hendon hooker bets on prop swap. So another guy who was basically even money was even money three weeks ago. So, um, yeah, completely agree. We see this all, we see this so frequently where, um, a long shot Heisman candidate gets really, really close with two or three weeks left in the season, gets blown out, gets, you know, gets injured, um, loses a close game. And now his team's not undefeated. Like there's just so many variables that can go wrong with two or three weeks left in the college football regular season that, selling your ticket on prop swap at even money. Like, my gosh, you're leaving so few dollars on the table by being able to flip it even money with a month left in the season just seems so much more prudent than, than holding on to it. And, you know, as we talked about, very difficult to hedge that thing. If you had a hooker ticket, you got to make a Caleb Williams bet. You got to make a CJ Shroud bet. Like there's, there's a bunch of other outcomes you can't, um, that you need to factor in versus selling your hooker ticket. You could have made 60 X 50 X, on your, your hand in hook or take it by selling it on props out before they lost. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I say it all the time. And again, I think Caleb Williams is deserving, but uh, these late season games carry so much more weight yep. than, than the early season games. And yep. when, when Ohio state had that performance, uh, CJ Stroud came out as a minus 1500 favorite after that Ohio state Michigan game. Um, and it was pretty much his to lose just because of a bad performance uh, in the last week of the season. Uh, and we saw it again. Same thing happened last season uh, with CJ Stroud and, you know, blowing it on the last week of the season. So uh, yeah, the, in a lot, and it's not just Heisman. It's, it's pretty much any awards uh, voting. Uh, the end of the season is, is weighed so much more heavily because of, because of the recency. Yep. Recency bias. Absolutely. A valid, um, irrational, behavior by voters yeah um but yeah just something to keep in mind that that you're the, these voters are human so uh it's what humans do is take what happened most recently uh into account uh and then uh lastly uh just a quick recap uh of the nfl week um as i mentioned you texted me on sunday morning because in uh you had a tweet from i think it was ian rapport saying that um yeah, that Nathan Peterman oh, was it was Schefter. Schefter yeah. uh, it was Schefter that that Nathan Peterman was going to start for the Bears. That was because the official Bears Twitter account said that Nathan Peterman was going to start 45 minutes before game time, uh, and then Trevor Simeon ended up starting for the Bears. Uh, both were not great options, um, but you know it it kind of ticked off a lot of bookmakers and betters because if the official account is is saying that person a is starting and then person b is is starting um you would think that they would know 
who was actually the starting quarterback 45 minutes. So it's like, so it's just, it's just tough if you're a better or your bookmaker and there's millions of dollars on the line here. Uh, and you can't even trust that as a source, the, the official bears Twitter account. So, mm. um, yeah, what, what what were your thoughts on that? I mean, if, if these leagues are going to start taking money from from the gambling companies, I feel like they got to be more accurate about this. Yeah, which, which they are. They, you know, um, so I, I agree. I I don't know. I need to study up on what the rules are between announcing. I mean, clearly they didn't get the NFL didn't find them. So the the NFL Twitter account for a team is legally allowed by the NFL rules, legally allowed to tweet out quarterback a 45 minutes prior to kick and then start quarterback B like that. That clearly is legal. So like, to me, like that's a problem and you need to have stricter position announcements. If we're going to have this much money getting wagered on the outcome of a Chicago versus New York matchup, like that's a big game. I realize that it's, you know, the backup, the field's going, but still it's a Chicago versus New York sporting event. Like there is a ton of dough getting wagered on that. So there, I feel like there just needs to be stricter position slash starting announcements than there are today. Cause this is not sufficient. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Uh, and it's like, just don't, don't tweet anything, you know, like just, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like um, if, if you're not going to owe it to us, who's starting a quarterback, that's one thing. But if you're going to tell everyone who's starting, and then they don't start like that seems misleading. If you want to have no rules, I'm okay with that. But I guess we just need to be like clear with the gambling community. Like what exactly is, are the rules for position announcements, especially a quarterback. You want to tell me the right guard isn't starting and a backup right guard's going. Okay. Not a huge deal, but you know, quarterback yeah. is, is paramount. Um, yeah. Uh, bookmakers reported that after the, it was announced that Peterman was starting that they took, multiple hundred thousand dollar plus bets on the jets now the jets end up covering so you know no harm no foul in this situation but uh you know um next time it could be something different yeah i mean simeon came out in that first and that first drive or second drive of the game he almost punched it in like he looked strong to start the game he finished poorly but i mean peterson uh, peter men is a joke like he has like set records for ineptitude at quarterback like simeon's not bad Peyton Manning's backup. So uh, he started out okay. But, yeah, the Jets ended up polishing off the Bears. And now Darnell Mooney is done for the season. Yeah, the Bears are a train wreck. And, and to be honest, uh, me as a Bears fan, I want them to lose. Like, we that it needs a complete overhaul. I would like as high as a draft pick as humanly possible next year. I'd like them to spend $100 million on the offensive line. So And they they have the – I think they have the highest cap, the largest cap space in the league next year, if not top right. three. Yeah. yeah, they will. Yeah. Um so I'm in, I'm a fan of them losing, but still, in terms of sports betting, I, I wish there was stricter rules. Yeah. Uh, and then anything else uh, catch your eye uh, this week? I mean, I'm super happy with the teams that are continuing to succeed. Vikings are a big dog. They're now down to um, – they're now down to like – 16 seven, to 1. Oh, they're still 17 to 1. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy, and they could – they would have been a one seed if, if Philly lost to Green Bay last night. Uh, but yeah, Vikings still look good. Gosh, I, I'd be a buyer at 17 to 1 and just flip it later on. They can beat the Eagles. I'm not saying they will beat the Eagles, but they can beat them if they if they push the ball downfield. If, they, if the Vikings can jump out to like a 17 7 or a 17 3 lead with the way that Justin Jefferson's playing and Adam Thielen, like, I don't know that the Eagles 
are built to come back from that. If the, if the Eagles control the game, they, they can beat anyone. If they continue to pound the football and run the ball as well as they can, they can beat anyone. But if someone jumps out to a 17-3 lead like the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Vikings can on that team, I'm not worried as much about the Niners because they don't really play that game. But Bills, Vikings, Chiefs, like quick striking teams, you could you could upset the Eagles. Um, but yeah, and, and of course, Eagles are 40-1. to They're down, down to about 5-1. to So great outcome for... For prop swap, these teams were were big underdogs um, at some point throughout the season. Cowboys, of course, when they lost Dak, were crazy long underdogs, like fifty to one, sixty to one. They're now down to nine to one. Dolphins preseason were thirty or forty to one. They're fifteen to one. So, yeah, great, great outcome for prop swap. A lot of dogs are in the hunt, and you still got the you know two powerhouses, Chiefs and Bills, looking strong too. Yeah, pretty much everyone besides the Chiefs or Bills were, were double digits at uh, at some point this year. Um, but yeah, just on the Vikings, I, I agree. I mean, the they have not been getting the respect from the bookmakers. I think that was shown. Uh, one example was you know uh, them being underdogs at home to the Cowboys and then and then getting blown out uh, when everyone yeah. you know thought that they, they should be fit after beating the Bills on the road. And yeah. then if you look this week, they're only a three point favorite at home against the Jets against Mike White and the Jets. So. Um, for whatever reason, the the bookmakers are just not respecting uh, the Vikings just yet. And um, honestly, they could be Kirk Cousins could be lifting the L- L- Lombardi Trophy, and I still think people would be like, "Eh, I don't know about this guy." Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's certainly the weakest link, and Delvin Cook needs to stay in the field. So I have Kirk is more reliable to stay in the field than Delvin Cook is. But I mean, Justin Jefferson is the best receiver in the NFL. It's not even close, in my opinion. Um, yeah, him and Tyreek. Yeah, yeah, I guess my sure. Um just I I lean Jefferson just cuz of the height thing, but Tyree Kill can climb the ladder and jump out of the out of the gym/field. So maybe I shouldn't uh give him the discount cuz of he's he's not as tall as Jefferson, but um yeah, I mean they're a good team. Like I said, like the way to beat the Eagles is jump out early and not let them pound the ball down your throat, which is what they've been doing to most of the teams this year. Like if you don't jump out too early and let Philly control the, the the clock, like they're gonna win the game. But if you can jump out early and strike quick, you got a shot. Um and I think the Vikings can do that with Jefferson. Yep. Um so yeah, no, we uh It'll be an exciting uh, home, home stretch. Uh, and then just last thing, NFL, uh, Sean Watson uh, returns this week yeah. uh, for the Browns. Uh, Jacoby Brissett was only able to get them to a 4-7 and seven record. I was looking at their odds earlier. They're, they're uh, a huge long shot to win the division, 30-1, uh, to one, uh, the, the AFC North. But uh, are you... What are you expecting from from uh, Sean? Uh, I mean, from a fantasy perspective, I've been stashing him since like week five. Um, so I I think he'll be good. And um, Amari Cooper has looked good. Like he he still can improve his drops, but he's he's a weapon for Deshaun. Uh, but yeah, odds across the board on Cleveland: two hundred to one at MGM, one hundred and thirty to one at DraftKings. So really, ton of variance in their odds. To me, like. I'd be buying a future on PropSwap or at a, a legal sports book so you can sell it on PropSwap and then just have it up there during the game this weekend. Like, say you can get 200 to 1 at MGM, post it at odds of 65 to 1 during the game because he's going to have some electric play, Deshaun Watson will, and everyone's going to go nuts. And just like see if you find a, a, a buyer for it. So that would be my strategy yeah. is just grab long odds right now. Don't don't bet the house like one one or two units. 
um, and then just have the odds of 60 to one throughout the Texans game this weekend and see if you can find a buyer. Um, but you know, they'll, they'll beat that. I would imagine they, they beat them. Um, the Browns beating, um, yeah, they, they are currently seven point favorites uh, yeah, at Houston. Yeah. I mean, they should roll them. Um, and then you have, after that, you have the Bengals tough game, but possible Ravens, Saints, Commanders, Steelers. So favorite against, it's at home against New Orleans. They'll be favored in that game. They'll be favored even though it's in D.C. Not by much. That'll, that might be a coin flip, the way the Commanders are playing recently. And then at Pittsburgh, I think they'll be a small favorite in that. So, you know, Ravens trending in the wrong direction right now. Um so yep. uh, uh, yeah, Brown, yeah Browns currently ten Browns currently ten to one to make the playoffs uh, at FanDuel. So uh, the uh, it's a long shot, but uh, I'm I will be very interested to see what type of player uh, returns the field. Is it the MVP caliber or is it a guy that looks like he hasn't played football in uh, a couple yeah. Of years? Yeah, that's um, on him to stay in shape. Yeah, uh, and so uh, without further ado, that brings us to this week's edition of Steak or Swap. First up, we will be talking uh, about that team that wears maize and blue. Uh, the Michigan Wolverines are currently 3-1 to one to win the championship, coming off uh, their huge win on Saturday against Ohio State. Uh, Luke, uh, we'll start with you first. Are you staking or swapping Michigan? I'm going to swap Michigan. Uh, I saw odds on them at plus 250. I will be selling uh, a Michigan ticket at odds of plus 250. Even if they, so let's say, assume they beat Purdue, they're in. If they, whoever they play, let's, they'll, they'll, you know, let's say TCU, for example, say, like, they'll be a favorite, but I wouldn't think by more than four, right? I think they'd be around a four and a half point favorite in that football game. So not a gimme, not a cakewalk. TCU has been shattering um the the expectations the whole season they've been outperforming expectations all season long so why can't they do it again but you know they'll be favored in that game i i the amount of money i have in my bankroll like i would bet it all on georgia right now i just i don't see a world where they just don't destroy both teams now they may have an off night like in the in the semis but i just I just can't see a universe where Georgia just doesn't destroy both teams on the way to another national championship. They've just looked so dominant all year long. So I just, especially knowing Michigan's odds were high earlier in the season, like 40 to one, 50 to one we've seen. So I just, I can't justify not selling this team right now. Like I have, I have to swap this team. Yeah. Um, it pains me to say this, uh, but I would, also swap Michigan with the caveat of like that you got them at, at long odds, right? You got them sure. at 14 to one last week against, against Ohio state, or you got them at 60 to one preseason. Um, because, you know, if, if there is a huge profit uh, on the table for you right now, I think now is the time to pounce on them. The Michigan hype is never going to be higher than it is right now. I mean, you know, they're a 17 point favorite against Purdue. Like they're supposed to be Purdue. If for some reason that, you know, the struggle that's going to hurt their odds. Um, you know, I agree that if the, if they do be Purdue, they will be the two seed. They will avoid Georgia in that semifinal. Uh, but 
if the if they play Georgia in the final, we saw this last year, and Georgia killed them. Um, they absolutely killed them in the uh, in the Orange Bowl uh, and in the semifinal. I think you know, and it's just it's just two different uh, types of, of players. It's just two different types of teams. So you know, if if Michigan beats beats Purdue, if they beat win the semifinal, and then they play Georgia in the final, they're still going to be like a probably two to one underdog uh, against. Yeah. you know, I'd say more. I. Yeah, I honestly think they would be yeah. like plus two twenty five, plus two fifty in that game. So the question is, what are you really gaining by by holding it on for the for the next two games? Uh, if if you think they're going to play Georgia, so uh, for those reasons, I would swap Michigan as well. Uh, and if you disagree with us, uh, we have a fantastic Michigan ticket currently up for sale, <laughs> uh, collect amount of thirty four hundred dollars, uh, and the sale the sellers asking for eight twenty five. Those are odds of plus three twelve, which is better than every sports book in the country right now. Uh, as I mentioned, the best odds uh, at sports books are plus three hundred, and this ticket is plus three twelve. So uh, if you say Ian Luke, you guys are are dumb. Um, now's the time to get in on Michigan. Then uh, there is a ticket waiting for you on on Prop Swap. Uh, the next team we'll talk about. Uh, which we've touched on earlier is Ohio State. Uh, as I mentioned, they were as high as fifty to one to win the championship after the Michigan game, and now down to fourteen to one uh, to win the championship. I will go first. Once again, it pains me to say that I will be staking Ohio State. Uh, this is purely based on the fact that um, I think USC or TCU. Is one of those two teams, if not both, are likely to lose. I think I think one of those two teams lose this week. USC only a two and a half point favorite against Utah in the Pac-12 championship game uh, being held in Las Vegas. TCU only a two and a half point favorite against Kansas State in the Big 12 championship game in Arlington. That's a coin flip game, uh, and I think you know one's going to land heads, one's going to land tails. And Ohio State sitting at number five, I think, uh, would would move into the four team playoff uh, based on one of those two teams losing. My guess is, if Ohio State did move into the playoff, you would see those odds drop to like five to one, six to one. I, I still think they would get a ton of respect from bookmakers um, uh, if, if they do if they do make it, despite the game they had against Michigan. Uh, I realize. If they make it as a four seed, that means they play Georgia. But um, I still think you can make money by by betting Ohio State um, and and just hoping that USC or, or Kansas State, uh, one of those two teams, if not both, uh, blow it. Because we see this every year where uh, teams are in these super high-pressure situations, their entire season's on the line, and, and they just play really, really tight, um, you know, which is different. You know, TCU's been playing with house money all season long, kind of, and now it's like, Oh my God, we're one game away from making the the playoff, and and they just you know kind of um, you know d- diverge from their from their game plan. Yeah, um, I agree, man. I I will also stake Ohio State with the uh, prediction that one of those two teams will blow it, just because to your point, like they they put so much energy into the season. And now it's like, well, TCU might be thinking like, well, like. Why don't we just half-ass this game and we'll still get in? Let's save our energy for the CFP where it really counts. Like Kansas State comes in and you know knocks their teeth in and wins that game. Utah, I've kind of liked this team the whole season. Really good head coach, um, well-coached kids. They have nothing to lose. They could upset USC in Las Vegas this weekend. That's a Friday night game. That'll be fun. Um, so yeah, for I I agree. It's, you know, perhaps the strategy is you grab Ohio State future and then go make like small hedge bets on USC 
and TCU, you can par- even parlay it, right? Because yep. you know if if both those two both those two teams have to win to knock you out, so maybe you just make a small parlay hedge on uh, USC and TCU money line. So, um, yeah, I I agree with you. I think one of those two teams blows it. Ohio State gets back in like this. I can't stress enough how all of these committee members want the big teams in this thing. Like this is all about money. It's all about ads. They're trying to sell ads during these four playoff games. They're trying to sell tickets. Like they don't want TCU in this thing. I just, um, this is not on computers. This is human beings making these decisions and they want, they want USC in there. They want Alabama in there. They want Ohio state in there. Those are going to sell the most tickets. Those will sell the most TV commercials during the game. So it's, it's up to humans. This isn't, uh, this isn't going to be decided by, by gameplay uh, alone. Yeah. Um, and I would almost say that, yeah, they want USC and Ohio State over Alabama just because I think there's a lot of Alabama fatigue. I'm not so sure that these fans would would show up uh, this year as they have in past years just because they kind of know that this team is not not as good as, as in previous years. So um, I totally agree. I think the ideal committee's uh, – the ideal committee uh, playoff would be Georgia, Michigan, USC, and Ohio State would be uh, would yep. be the ideal uh, playoff. So uh, we will see. Uh, there's another week of uh, exciting games. We got World Cup. We got college football. We got NFL. Uh, so uh, strap in because uh, the next couple months are going to be extremely fun. So uh, thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Please make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, and we will talk to you next week.